The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network The Bob Seska Show Presented by BubbleGenius.com Hey folks, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week If the Twitter toddler in the White House has you completely stressed out Head on over to BubbleGenius.com And pick up their exclusive Republican voodoo doll Featuring the face and body of our cartoon dictator this item is only available for a limited time, so get yours now. Only $25 at BubbleGenius.com, with a third of the proceeds going to support the campaigns of resistance candidates across the country. Plus, if you use our promo code BOBC at checkout, you'll get 15% off your entire order only at BubbleGenius.com. And now, let the cartoons begin. Sad. Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters, relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Mr. Zermlitz, let's be honest. We've seen your people working for pennies, making defective novelty items which at best don't work and don't provide hours of family fun. And at worst, I'm creating serious injury. So what are you saying? Saying that your boss, Mr. Lee, is in effect the Mr. Big of the pirate novelty business. No, he isn't. You're just saying that to get a higher rating on your TV show. Well, I wish I were, but we saw your people making pirate minkman schnozzes. I don't know what you're talking about. It's so funny that you say that. They don't make snozzes. They make semiconductors for a very reputable computer company. What's wrong with that? Is there something wrong with that? Why, 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 why is that suddenly wrong to do? I don't understand that. Why are you pointing the finger at other people all the time? Why don't you point the finger at yourself? This is an affidavit. I know that. Well, let me finish. This is an affidavit from a woman who's got severe nerve damage on her upper thighs from sitting on one of your defective whoopee cushions. Here, read it. Well, I have read it. So why do I have to read it? Well, it does pertain to your company. I know that. Why wouldn't I know that? It's my company. I, I'm quite aware of that. Is it me? It's him, right? Bob Today's Rachel Maddow Show Award for Headline Excellence goes to Bob Seska. The Bob Seska Show. Hello, Bob. It is uh, what the hell day is it? God damn it! Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday, July 18, 2017. This is the Bob Seska Show presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob, and we're brought to you by the best soap in the world. It is Bubble Genius. Uh, also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen at TheBowenLawGroup.com. Go there right now. Get, get legal advice. Get a great lawyer. Uh, so much to talk about. Buzz Burbank is here today. Hi, Buzz. Hi, hi, Bob. Everybody's getting great lawyers these days. <laughs> I know, don't they? They have the, the best lawyers, the most tremendous, very, very tremendous lawyers. Uh, I, I just, I couldn't help but to sit here and laugh to myself at the open that we played because that is from that is from one of the most classic but yet underrated seasons of Saturday Night Live, the 1984 season with Christopher Guest and Billy Crystal and Martin Short. 
that was such a, a phenomenal season. And that particular sketch just so reminded me of Trump's representation right now. In fact, the entire psychological strategy of the Trump defense is to make all of us feel like we're going insane. Well, it actually sounded like a conversation one might hear between uh, Trump and his lawyer. Yeah, Trump and, and maybe uh, Michael Cohen. Says who? Right, that guy and uh, Jay Suckalow or however uh, you pronounce that, his name. I'm good with that pronunciation. <laughs> Yeah, right. We're just going to go on this show. We're going with Suckalo. <laughs> but uh, thank you for being here today, Buzz. Uh, uh, Buzz Burbank News and Comment, buzzburbank.com, realmnetwork.com. You can find them on iTunes, too. Uh, so much to talk about today. I don't even know where to begin uh, other than to maybe just make this announcement. The NRA, <laughs> the tough talking bastards right. at the NRA have blocked me on Twitter. Congratulations. Yes. That's a, that's a badge of honor as far as most of us are concerned. Snowflakes. <laughs> Snowflakes. Snowflakes of the NRA couldn't handle what I had to say on Twitter. So they. Well, they, they haven't figured out how to shoot you through the internet yet. <laughs> well, they're working on it. It's only a matter of time. Before you know it, uh, Wayne LaPierre will be out stumping for being able to shoot people over the internet. <laughs> Oh, God. So, by the way, this just in, or maybe you could say that, Buzz, since you're the news guy. This just in. Trump just said about the Afghanistan war, I want to find out why we've been there for 17 years. I know. Bob, if only there was someone he could ask. I know. I mean, there's no uh, you know, one. And, and, and on top of that, you know, again, this is yet another example of what he doesn't know already. Uh, right. You know, we, he was tweeting earlier today about health care and about how many votes it would take to get certain things passed and how many votes it would take to get other things passed, as if he's hearing this for the very first time, because he is. Yes. Uh, yeah. he, because he doesn't know anything about anything except <laughs> marketing, and, 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 and even that's arguable at this point. Well, he doesn't. he doesn't know. Know, like today, he was tweeting uh, in a way that indicates that he doesn't know what the filibuster is. He's right, deeply right. confused by the existence of the filibuster. Let's see, what did he say today on Twitter? Uh, oh, he said, the Senate must go to a 51-vote majority instead of current 60 votes. Even parts of full repeal need 68 Dems control Senate. Crazy, he said. <laughs> crazy, yes, yeah, the crazy system. Well, I, I tweeted him back, as I've taken to do, uh, as, and now that I, we're all going insane from him. Uh, and yeah. I'm doing it mainly just to, to taunt him. Uh, but but I, I responded to that tweet. I said, see, you can learn how government works. <laughs> right. I mean, this is the president who needs to sit down and watch some schoolhouse rock cartoons. Uh, exactly. He missed that. He missed that. I know. Well, of course, the big news of the day is... Uh, is legislative in origin. It comes uh, comes to us on the uh, the healthcare debate, the the, the debate over uh, Trump Care, and uh, and it has failed. It has what officially a, what failed. A, yeah, what a, what a mess this is, and what a roller coaster ride it has been. Just to get to this point, uh, just in the last few days, we we found out, you know, insurance company, the latest Republican plan that was up for a vote that would that we were putting out the vote till McCain got better, so we'd have that extra vote that they never had a chance with anyway. Uh, insurance companies hated it. Citizens hated it. Governors hated it. Uh, but they were they were going to charge ahead with it until they saw they didn't have the votes to do it. And uh, then then we get to the point where, well, we're okay. We're gonna we're gonna just repeal. Right. That's the that's the next step. We're just going to repeal, and that failed too. They can't they can't do that either. After eight years of saying 
this is what we were going to do. And so, yeah, I, it isn't clear to me, and perhaps you can give us some enlightenment on this. I'm not sure where we're headed next. It kind of sounds like, well, as usual, uh, Obamacare remains the law of the land for now. Yeah, well, I think that's the case. I think that's absolutely the case. I don't think they're going to – they're obviously not going to be able to repeal it. And even if they tried to put forward a repeal bill, which now looks like it's completely failed, the number of senators, Republican senators, have come up right. uh, come out against the repeal legislation. Right, that's uh, good. Yeah, and, and even if they did, though – they wouldn't be able to fully repeal Obamacare. Let's bear this in mind that Obamacare is two pieces of legislation. There's the Affordable Care Act, and then there's a second piece of legislation that had to have been passed through reconciliation. Remember, because Scott Brown was elected in Massachusetts, the Democrats lost their 60-vote majority in the the Senate in... uh, in 2000 i think it was early early 2010 because of scott brown coming in and and as a result they had to pass all of the budgetary measures associated with obamacare as its own piece of legislation through a reconciliation vote like the republicans are trying to do right now so in order to repeal that all they need is 51 votes in order to repeal the Affordable Care Act itself, the main piece of legislation that's got all the essential health benefits and all the things that people really, really like, right. they 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 need 60 votes to repeal that, and they don't have anywhere close to that. I mean, they're not yeah. even, they're not even going to be able to do the reconciliation thing is what we're learning today, and, and that much is obvious. And these idle threats of, of okay, we're just going to vote with McConnell adjoining Trump and saying, well, we'll just vote to repeal – uh, if if they do that, as you've just explained, uh, many of the things that conservatives hated most about Obamacare still wouldn't be repealed. Right. The very things that, that they really want to get rid of would still be there even if they ripped the rest of it apart. Exactly. Exactly right. Which is why, you know, as soon as as soon as Trump announced after we heard from uh, Jerry Moran and Mike Lee yesterday that there were no votes on the motion to proceed on Trump care. Right. right after that, Trump comes out on Twitter and starts talking about repealing. Like, here's what we're going to do. We're going to repeal now. We're just going to let it repeal. We're going to repeal it, and then we're going to replace it later on. Well, he doesn't understand that you just you can't just do that. It just doesn't work that way. Right, because he doesn't understand government and because he's a toddler, and that's how <laughs> that's how he reacts. Exactly I'm, right. I'm, I'm serious, and again, my apologies to toddlers. <laughs> Uh, because this is just, this is the most obstinate, spiteful, uh, childish behavior that you can imagine. And, uh, obviously most Americans agree now, seven out of 10 Americans, uh, think he's unpresidential Yeah, and, 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 and they're right. <laughs> the, the majority happens to be right in this case. And, uh, and, and a wide majority it is. And that, and that number is growing daily. And yeah. uh, his, his toddlership is growing daily. <laughs> his toddlership. That's right. I'm going to steal that. I'm going to start using the toddlership thing. We, we should address him as your toddlership. Your toddlership. That's perfect. That is absolutely perfect. I'm going to make a note of that. We're going to make sure we pass that along to the White House. Uh, you know, I think, and, and here's the thing with, with calling for a repeal right on the heels of the, the actual legislation failing mm-hmm. in the Senate. The thing with, with Trump's, big stupid mouth is that he sets himself up and he sets up the congressional republicans for failure
failure yeah. right out of the shoot. It's like, okay, what well, is this thing didn't work? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna do something else that's immediately going to fail. <laughs> and that'll well, make he, us look great. I don't understand well, I, this. He, logic. He, he he didn't think it through that far. He no. didn't. He didn't. Think, he never believed that it would fail. He believed right. that uh, they could just uh, repeal Obamacare and that'd be it. It'd be easy. All Republicans are against it, right? Well, <laughs> Mitch McConnell knew better. Mitch McConnell's got to be uh, nearly as irritated with Trump as everybody else. Oh yeah. Because then Mitch had to go through the exercise of making everybody vote on just repeal, even though Mitch knew it wouldn't. Pass. And and so why did Mitch do it? Well, not just to please the president, but to show the president that it can't be done. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, this I'm glad you brought up Mitch McConnell, because this was a major, major failure for Mitch McConnell. This makes Mitch McConnell look even worse in the eyes of his own caucus. Uh, and, and one of the reasons I'm saying this is a guy by the name of Adam Gentleson, the former chief of staff to Harry Reid. For actually, I, I take that back. Former Deputy Chief of Staff to okay. uh, to Harry Reid for for many many years in the United States Senate, uh, tweeted out this epic tweet storm. <laughs> I know all, I'm aware of all internet traditions. Uh, he uh, tweeted out this uh, tweet storm yesterday, right as everything was breaking. All of this news was coming down. He wrote here. I want to read some of this uh, this tweet storm because it's really enlightening in terms of what's going on inside the Republican caucus, specifically in the United States Senate, relating to uh, uh, Mitch McConnell. He well, starts- I want to hear. I want to hear that, but I want to point out to, to everyone that this is maybe the only time you'll hear someone say, "I'm glad you brought up Mitch McConnell." <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. No one loves to bring up Mitch McConnell, for God's anyway, sake. Anyway, so this former deputy chief of staff yeah. uh, uh, for Harry Reid has uh, written a tweet storm, <laughs> and it goes something like this. It goes something like this. Adam Gentleson writes, Having spent countless hours listening to McConnell and years working with his office, I'd like to, like to offer a few thoughts on tonight's news. First and foremost, what we're witnessing is an unprecedented, full-blown rebellion by Republican senators against their leader, McConnell. I worked for Reed for years. Democratic senators criticized him occasionally, although they'd usually joke about it. Nothing like this. Reed's status as the leader was based on a mixture of love and respect from the caucus. McConnell's only respect, very little love. McConnell's political victories have come at the steep price for the institution. He has taken power and influence away from other senators. His fellow R's did not like losing their individual power, but they were willing to abide it as long as McConnell delivered victories. The question has always been, what happened to McConnell when he hits a dry spell, especially one that his scorched earth tactics precipitated? We're seeing indications of that tonight. This sounds like trolling, but I'm honestly shocked at how nasty Republicans are being towards him. Accusing your leader of a significant breach of trust is about as harsh as it gets in Senate speak. And that was Ron Johnson, Senator Republican Senator Ron Johnson, also uh, the guy who took uh, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's virginity in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I just wanted to add you that too. Uh, but this is Ron Johnson saying this uh, about Mitch McConnell that it was a significant breach of trust. That's really, really harsh. Adam Gentleson continues by saying. Senators want to get things done. McConnell's pitch to his fellow Republicans was always, let's get power and then we'll get things done. The problem now is that the tactics McConnell employed to accrue power undercut their ability to get things done. Earth, (laughs) comma, scorched. 
Reed employed dra- uh, dramatic tactics at times, but he was uh, able to balance it with empowering senators and delivering accomplishments. Suffice to say, McConnell is finding that balance harder to strike. On prospects for repeal, I agree with everyone, blah, blah, blah. We know what happened with that. McConnell right. will play off this setback uh, in that weird way that D.C. reporters intrepidly persist in finding charming. I don't see it. But make no mistake, this is a massive humiliation for McConnell. And he'll spend every waking moment plotting his redemption. Lastly, the breadth of the rebellion is fascinating and suggests that this was coordinated. Lee slash Moran jumped first to give others cover. Right. That that prospect is truly jaw-dropping. A coordinated rebellion against McConnell, question mark. Six months into Republican control, question mark, question mark. Yeesh. I'm not good at math, but but I know that up to 12 Republican senators opposed uh, the repeal and replace plan. Yeah. Uh, and and that's a sizable chunk of 50, as I recall. Yeah, absolutely. I, by the way, I, I meant to do this right at the top of the show, talking about yeah. uh, Trump and health care. I just want to take a little bit of a, a ride on the Wayback Machine, Buzz. You know the Wayback Machine. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. <laughs> uh, this is uh, Trump on September 26th. 2011. Oh, no, I'm sorry, 2012. Okay. Obama's complaints about Republicans stopping his agenda are BS since he had full control for two years. He can never take responsibility. <laughs> well, you know, again, you, you can't expect uh, consistency uh, no. from, from Donald Trump. No. You, just, you can't. It's just, it's, it's, he's in the moment, uh, the eternal now, as I believe you call it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So everything is, uh, is in the moment. Words have no meaning. So that's where we get all of that. So again, it was uh, Jerry Moran. Mike Lee, Susan Collins, and Rand Paul. Now, make mo- mm-hmm. no mistake here. We've got one moderate in, in that entire list, Susan Collins, and at least two hard-right Tea Party conservatives, Mike Lee, Rand Paul. Jerry Moran, as, as they were reporting throughout the evening on MSNBC, Jerry Moran went home to uh, your home state of Kansas, Buzz. That's right, yeah. And he actually he went to a, uh, he went to a small town, a town mm-hmm. of about 200, 200, 300 people, right around there. Right, 270, somewhere in there, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he had a town hall. He was ballsy enough to, to go in and do a town hall, albeit a, a little tiny teeny tiny town in uh, right. in kansas 150 people showed 150 up. 150 out of the what 270 yeah, out of like 270 so, some. <laughs> right so uh, showed up for that because they were concerned and and he listened to them and uh, this is amazing and and this has happened all over the country uh, people speaking yeah. up this way and having an effect and and uh, moran is to be admired i think for facing uh, that crowd when other Republican lawmakers simply won't do it, won't have the town hall meeting. So they're talking about this as having changed his mind, but I think this is an overall effect. And I, I don't know if you can specifically credit the resistance. I think you almost have to when it comes to Jerry Moran and Susan Collins, mm-hmm. because this was all about them believing, and, and rightfully so, that this whole process was basically the the Senate version of a kangaroo court. They're just bouncing this legislation through quickly and and quietly, right. and yeah, and they're not allowing any. Uh, you know, the the entire process that normally you go through to pass the legislation was completely sidestepped because Mitch McConnell's playing uh, playing games with all of this. And even with all that, part of the roller coaster that I alluded to earlier had to do with uh, the Congressional Budget Office report on the illness of John McCain. Yeah. Uh, so they're poised to vote on this thing on Monday. Monday, and McCain has the the eye surgery, which, by the way, or the the, the brain surgery, which we, we now 
have an explanation for yep. his getting lost in questioning during the Comey hearing. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, this explains it because doctors say that blood clot was in the part of the brain that controls communication. And uh, that uh, that's a, a very good explanation of why Senator McCain had so much difficulty. People were tweeting that day, "What's wrong with him? Is he okay?" <laughs> yeah, and and now we know he really wasn't. And and but it's something fixable, and uh, I think he is and will be okay, which is a great relief. But it, it what's funny about that, oddly, is that his presence he wouldn't have made any difference either way. The uh, the plan to repeal and replace still would have failed. And then and then we're hinging on also the Congressional Budget Office report. Now, uh, the Republicans in the Senate had pressured the CBO to get that report out as quickly as possible uh, Monday so they could vote on it uh, as soon as the report came out. But uh, then they delayed the vote because of McCain's surgery. And so CBO said, well, looks like we got a little more time to give this a closer look. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was bad news for the Republicans. Well, fortunately for them, probably, that CBO report will uh, apparently never see the light of day because... Uh, oh, is that, that the case? Because I was thinking, I, is I, it... I don't know if it comes out anyway, but uh, the the point is it's moot uh, now yeah. because, uh, you know, the, the whole thing's been dropped. We already have a pretty good idea of, of what it would say. Yeah. And by the way, what I was about to answer you on Twitter, because you'd posted the, something about <laughs> this, uh, and I wanted to, you were talking about how many millions of people would lose their health care coverage if they just repealed. And my response was with 32 million. Yeah. And, and, and the rest of Trump's statement at that time, was it's not on me and the rest of my response to you was going to be well you know as president of the united states it is on him it is absolutely uh, on it, him the welfare of the american people is on him yep. the decisions made affecting the welfare of the american people are on him and it is on his watch and he can try to shift blame as much as possible but uh, he can't because the, the really like it or not, he's the president and the buck stops there. Yeah, yeah. Now, it, the, what you're talking about specifically is I actually retweeted a, uh, a right, tweet right. by uh, Senator Chris Murphy, right. who's, uh, who's knee-deep in the fight against this legislation in the Senate. And Chris Murphy reminded us of the results of a, of a CBO scoring of a straight-up repeal bill. Mm-hmm. And, and he called it a humanitarian disaster of incomprehensible scale. Yeah, As you said, true. 32 million people will lose insurance if they did a straight-up repeal. And premiums would go up 100%. What? 100%. Sad. Yes, it is and, sad. And none of, this, none of this is going to set well with Trump's base. He promised them. Yeah. He promised them lower insurance premiums and better insurance. And... A quote unquote letting Obamacare fail is not going to do that. And by the way, what if it doesn't fail? Because yeah. there's a chance it won't. Projections say it won't fail. Yeah. So uh, this this can has really been kicked down the road. Well, yeah. The, the, what makes me worry uh, when Trump says let it fail is that he and Tom Price are going to get together and they're going to figure out. Well, not Trump. Trump doesn't know anything about health care. But I mean, Tom Price will figure out some way to. Uh, uh, to, to undermine the legislation through uh, rules and regulations handed down through HHS. And that, that's my big worry. And they've already tried some, some shenanigans as far as that go, delaying, delaying subsidy payments and things like that, just dragging yeah. their feet and kind of internally sabotaging uh, 
the legislation. I, and I do they, worry about that. And I do believe are, you're right. They're so obsessed with winning. They don't care what happens to people. Yeah. It isn't about health care for Americans. It's about winning. And 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 uh, this is just astounding. Yeah. I, I just it's un, unbelievable that we've come to this. It's it's really the uh, sportsification of of an entire party of half of the entire uh, political debate in this country where one side only cares about winning and their brand. It's it's right. entirely about, oh, I support the Republicans because, well, they're Republicans. Right. <laughs> they're, they're, it's like rooting for a team because they're your hometown team. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, yeah through no other justification whatsoever. It's all about, well, I'm going to root, root for the Republicans because, well, I'm a Republican and I love Republicans. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with issues because if it did have anything to do with issues, the Republicans would have a much smaller constituency than they actually have because, of course, people would run away in terror if they really, really understood, especially what this health care bill uh, was going to do to them. And they just completely failed to even acknowledge that. Uh, but although, you know, when I hear about town halls like uh, the one that Jerry Moran had in Kansas, I wonder how many of those people were. They had to be mostly Republicans in that town hall uh, protesting against uh, Trump care. In that I, you know, I, I don't know the percentages, but I'm sure a large percentage of them were because a Republican or Democrat, you were in danger of losing your health care and may yeah. still be because, you know, as you said, there, there'll still be efforts to, to do this. I just don't know what they can get done, honestly. And and again, you know, the thing that, that makes me so angry at Trump and at the Republicans is that rather than look, guys, duh, <laughs> fix 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 Obamacare. <laughs> yes, we all agree it has problems. Okay, but you would never dream for a moment of fixing what we have uh, for the good of the American people. You want to blow it up. Yeah. You want to you want to destroy it, and and that's not that's not helpful. Well, he, I mean, here's what's going on, Buzz. The Republicans are rapidly disintegrating into to complete disarray. The the Trump coalition is falling apart as we speak. Yes. But meanwhile, in contrast, the Democrats have a real opportunity here, especially the Senate Democrats. What they can do right now is is unveil a uh, an alternative bill to fix the Affordable Care Act, to fix the things. Because remember, the Affordable Care Act has 116 Republican amendments inserted into it. Next time you hear Trump or some congressional Republican say, oh, well, we, it was a... The, the Democrats pushed this through without any Republican help, and they made they shoved it down our throats. They love to say they shoved it down our throats. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm talking about Obamacare. Well, it's got 116 Republican amendments in there. Some of those amendments uh, sabotage the legislation. There's a Marco Rubio amendment that specifically sabotages the marketplaces. There are very specific fixes that can resolve all of the problems with Obamacare. They can insert a a public option that'll bring premiums down, that'll create competition from a a government-run health insurance plan that only has a 3% overhead. I think that's pretty significant, and that'll force private insurers to reduce their rates in order to compete because they don't want to lose that business. Uh, There are many other things they can do to fix the marketplaces, to to bring uh, the, uh, the, the growth of premiums down even more than they already were. Uh, and this is something they can do to show themselves in contrast to the Republicans as being people who are organized or who are being proactive, who actively want to fix this thing. Because, I mean, I mean, it's not the disaster that Trump makes it out to be. 
No, not at all. Not at all. It's not it, even it, close. It, it, it has clear. It has clear problems. But when you look at at the benefits that that it's generated yeah. for people, uh, you know, here again, the Republican options as they see them are repeal and replace Obamacare, yeah. just repeal Obamacare, or let Obamacare fail on its own. The one option they're not considering is fix Obamacare. Right. Uh, and I hope you're right. I, I, I hope that the Democrats are working or will be working on a replacement. Honestly, or on uh, not a replacement, but a replacement for the bad parts, you know, repair, I guess. Yep. I, I hope they're working on a repair. Mm-hmm. And I hope that, uh, you know, that, that they're able to, to get some traction with that. I don't know if they are or not. It would worry me greatly if they weren't, because it is a tremendous opportunity. But uh, you know, how far that would get, uh, taking out Rubio's amendment and all the others, I, I just don't know. It's something that they, uh, I think they're motivated to do. I think the Republicans need to get something. I mean, I've I said this from the very beginning. What the Republicans should have done, and, and in fact, Trump should have taken leadership on this, is figured out a leg- piece of legislation that would fix the problems with Obamacare. And you, you slap a, a, a sticker on the front of it that says, this is Trump care. And, and you refer to the fixes as Trump care, you know, you're selling to the base. They're going to go along with whatever you say. Oh, yeah. And this has the added benefit of actually working and actually creating more people who have health insurance and not millions fewer people <laughs> who have health insurance. So but of course, that's not with for the Republicans. That's just not a thing, because, of course, Republican ideology, conservative ideology is completely incompatible with creating affordable universal health care. That just bottom line, it was never going to happen because they just can't do it. This is this all this legislation was as we saw from the the multiple CBO reports and professional analyses that this was going to strip millions and millions of people of their health care and that's a direct consequence of of how Republican orthodoxy functions. It's not about creating and spending, it's about tearing down and reducing. Yeah, it's uh, just, it's just, I'm sorry, but it's evil. It's yeah. just evil. Uh, I, I, the the blatant uh, nature of this evil uh, shocks me. Yeah. I don't, I don't expect them to be that public or honest about their evil uh, as they are. That's right. That's right. But they don't, they don't see it that way. What they see is we came up with a slogan, repeal and replace Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Now we have to do something that we can sell as repealing and replacing Obamacare. Right. And and what the details are are completely irrelevant to the, whatever it is, the 35%, 35%, 40% of the voting population that supports Donald Trump. They're immovable. They're they're right. going to support that guy and they're going to support the Republicans no matter what, because as I was saying, it's all about branding and franchising. I read today that Richard Nixon's approval uh, among Republicans was at 50 percent when as he was resigning. Wow. The last poll taken before his resignation, <laughs> half of Republicans still supported him. That's, so that's... we perhaps uh, when it comes to Republicans, we shouldn't expect to get beneath half, uh, although uh, Trump has accomplished in six months what it took uh, Richard Nixon four years and six months to, yep. to accomplish. And actually, uh, along those lines, uh, the new Monmouth poll, or do you, what do you yes. say? Do you say Monmouth or Monmouth? I doubt I, it's... I say Monmouth, but, <laughs> okay. you know, yeah, it's spelled Monmouth. If you're following along, if you're playing along at home. We're going to go with Suckalo. Uh, the, the, poll, right. the latest Monmouth poll says uh, 41% uh, support uh, uh, the impeachment of Donald Trump. 
Uh-huh. Yep. 41% say Trump should be impeached and compelled to leave the presidency. At uh, one year into the Watergate scandal, about uh, midsummer 1973, that was 24% for Richard Nixon. Right. Only 24% said Richard Nixon should be impeached. Now we're only, what, six months in? And forty-one say Trump should go. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And and we're we're reaching a, a scary point here, in my view, because you do have Democratic leadership in Congress, uh, perhaps prudently saying it isn't time yet. It isn't. This is too early because uh, at least uh, one lawmaker and he found a co-sponsor uh, have introduced uh, the articles of impeachment. They did so knowing that they wouldn't go anywhere. Uh, but they felt it had to be done, apparently. Uh, they, no one else is supporting them in their effort, so these guys stand alone. Uh, Pelosi and others are saying, oh, it's too early. And, and in a sense, from an investigative standpoint, it is too early. But uh, on the other hand, you have 41% of the American people ready to impeach this guy. Yep. Uh, there's, we're approaching a breaking point here, my friends. We're, this yeah. Is, this is concerning because things are going to get a little tense, I'm afraid. Well, as, if, I was, as if they weren't already. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm not stressed out enough about all of this. The, here's the thing, though, Buzz, uh, and, and you're exactly right. We're at a tipping point. We're starting to see, as I was saying before, we're starting to see the Trump coalition falling apart. CNN's got a quote from a top Republican here uh, commenting on the failure of Trump care. And this top Republican said, Trump was playing with a fire truck and trying on a cowboy hat as the bill was collapsing, and he had no clue. He had no clue. He never had a clue. Uh, this is on top of losing uh, uh, Charles Krauthammer, losing Judge Napolitano, uh, losing uh, and already having lost countless other a-list Republicans like David Frum and Bill Kristol, who uh, who have been deeply, deeply critical of uh, of the Trump administration and specifically uh, about the Trump Russia scandal, which we're going to get to here in a second. Uh, well, yeah, polls polls show him to be the most unpopular president in seventy years. Yep, and and now even uh, Fox has turned on him. You uh, by now, I, I'm sure everybody listening has seen the clip of Fox anchor Shepard Smith. Uh, leaving Chris Wallace speechless <laughs> yeah. uh, with a with a really brilliant tirade uh, about the White House and its lies. Yep. Uh, they, they, you didn't expect to hear that coming out of Fox News. Now, there are still people there defending uh, ridiculously uh, in most cases. Uh, uh, Steve Ducey, <laughs> Steve Ducey being uh, <laughs> being the, the number one uh, defender of Trump in the morning yeah. on Trump's favorite show, Fox and Friends. So there's still a, there's still a holdout there, uh, you know. Among there's still holdouts among the Fox crew, but uh, an increasing number of voices over there at at Fox are speaking out against Trump, and that's owned by Rupert Murdoch, who is a friend. If anybody's a friend of Donald Trump's, uh, speaks to Trump on a still on a, Rupert Murdoch and Trump speak on a regular basis, and and uh, Murdoch lets Trump know what's on his mind. But it's clear now what's happening. Trump isn't listening to Rupert Murdoch, so Rupert is now using his newspapers with scathing uh, editorials in the Wall Street Journal, yep. uh, and and uh, scathing remarks by them, and also by his New York Post. New York Post called Donald Trump Jr. Uh, criminally stupid. <laughs> Uh, uh, this is this is from a Rupert Murdoch publication, <laughs> yeah. and so you have his newspapers, and you have Fox. Everybody's turning. Donald Trump has no friends. That's right. Donald Trump. Uh, he, is very- he, he has a, he has a few. I don't think he has any real friends. He and he has a few defenders left, but. Uh, their numbers are shrinking, as you just said. It just—it's so sad. It's sad. It's sad, isn't it? 
Uh, you know what he? Sad. You know what he needs to do is, is put down the uh, put down the big beautiful chocolate cake. Put down the uh, unhealthy KFC and McDonald's meals that he seems to love and enjoy. And he need what he need. You know what Trump needs to do? He needs to try Blue Apron. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I, it might be too late in his case, but it'd be worth a try. Well, I mean, my guess is he's gutted the entire White House uh, kitchen and that entire staff of professional and, and highly uh, regarded chefs and uh, sous chefs and all the like. He'll, he'll go along as long as he gets two scoops of ice cream. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> any sort of uh, any sort of dessert during meetings with foreign leaders. Uh, but I know I know where you're going with this because we can all eat like they eat at the White House and do it ourselves. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Comes right to your door. You've heard about Blue Apron, but here's what you really need to know. Blue Apron is a way to bring the family back to the table for dinner. Even if your family is under indictment, it still works. Blue, <laughs> Blue Apron families cook at home three times more often, and they actually save money. These satisfying Blue Apron meals cost under ten bucks a person. That's amazing, and you can dine out for uh, you can't dine out for that. Certainly not with food this healthy and good. And Blue Apron's quality meets the highest standards, and the ingredients are guaranteed fresh. Blue Apron uses sustainably sourced seafood, responsibly raised animals. And produce from regenerative farms, Buzz. That's amazing. It's nice. And it's Blue Apron's uh, gourmet meals come with pre-measured ingredients, so you never again throw out perfectly good food. There is no weekly commitment. You only get the deliveries you want. Uh, the meals are tailored for your preferences and talk about variety. No recipe gets repeated for at least a year. Cool. Get ready to write this down. Here's the uh, your upcoming menu. Seared chicken and creamy pasta salad with summer squash and sweet peppers. I want that in my head now. Chili butter steaks with Parmesan potatoes and spinach. Fresh basil fettuccine with sweet corn and cubanelle pepper. Did I pronounce that correctly? I, I have no idea. That's how fancy this food is. Cubanelle <laughs> pepper. We don't know how to pronounce the ingredients. That's how. Yeah, you're exactly right. Creamy shrimp rolls with quick pickles and sweet potato wedges. Mm-mm. Get in my belly. Yes, right now. Right now. I wish it was lunchtime right now so I could prepare my Blue Apron lunch. And I'm not a chef, but cooking with Blue Apron makes me feel like one. Unbelievable. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free. Go to blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. That's blueapron.com slash B-O-B-C. Blue Apron, it's a better way to cook. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Yep, this is going out to Donald Trump, Lonely Boy. <laughs> I love Donald to do. Donald Trump has no friends. <laughs> He's got no friends. It's it's so sad. He's a you sad know, the, boy. One of the one of the joys that I get out of taunting him on Twitter, and and I'm sure you do, and other people oh, yes. do as as well, is it gets to him. Yeah. And and these poll numbers that we were just talking about, they get to him. Yep. Uh, for and I, I think I, I mentioned I'm working on my own script, and I said something about the fact that these poll numbers have got to be devastating for someone who so desperately needs that at for any for any person. I kept it vague for any person who uh, is so needy of admiration. Yep. You know, and that that's the case with uh, Mr. Firetruck. What is it? You know, and that's something that, he, that was he, he was victim to last week in Paris, because we know that Macron is just President Macron of, of France 
is just playing Donald Trump. He knows exactly what makes Donald Trump tick. And, and what he's doing is he's glad handing and backslapping with Donald Trump, making Donald Trump think that he's his friend. He's his best buddy. It's so sad. Sad. And maybe, but, maybe Macron and, and uh, 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 I'm sorry, uh, uh, Angela Merkel. Yeah. Maybe Macron and Merkel are playing good cop, bad cop with Trump. <laughs> That's <laughs> entirely like, possible. She gives him the evil eye and, and uh, Macron strokes his ego. These are A-list world leaders. They're, yeah. they're going into meetings with Donald Trump knowing well aware of of what makes him run what makes him tick where his vulnerabilities are where his strengths and weaknesses are all the european leaders have been briefed on that they yeah. say, here's what you do here's what here's what he likes here's how to get his attention here's how to keep his attention here's how to get uh, a thought through to him uh and <laughs> they've all been briefed and trained uh, in a sense uh, to deal with this particular child, they're trained babysitters. I want to I want to talk about this uh, before I forget because this is one of those things that we'll end up talking about Trump Russia, and I'll just uh, I'll careen right past this amazing bit of audio from Donald Trump from uh, okay. uh, I, I believe it was uh, either yesterday or sometime over the weekend. Donald Trump was oh yeah you know what this is yesterday this is absolutely yesterday this is Made in America Week in the White House, <laughs> and Donald Trump got to go around and play with things like baseball bats and fire trucks and we had. and Cowboy hats, yeah, too. And you know what else he gets to talk about? He got to talk about his best friend, President Xi. President Xi of uh, China. China. He loves to talk about President Xi. China. And uh, and he was talking about how uh, he has miraculously opened up the beef exports to China, which no one could ever do until Trump came along. And 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 it was so simple. He just went to his best friend, President Xi. And, and offered him a big piece of chocolate cake and, and <laughs> said, please, let us let us sell you beef. And President Xi said, OK, here's Donald Trump talking about that confrontation. Walked through the halls. We saw so many great companies. But the gentleman who was in charge of uh, Omaha beef, they do beef. He hugged me. He wanted to kiss me so badly <laughs> because he said it, our business is a whole different business now because you got China approved. The other administrations couldn't even come close. And I told him, you know how long it took? One <laughs> sentence. I said, President Xi, we'd love to sell beef back in China again. China. He said, you can do that. That was the end of that, <laughs> right? Yes, that was the end of that. That was the end of that. That's all that happened, right? Governing well, is so much easier when you don't have to deal with government. That, that's right. Well, everything's easier when you've got a nice, lovely dessert from Mar-a-Lago to grease right. them up with. Now, the, here's, uh, here's the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey used to say. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack today issued the following statement. I welcome the announcement from Chinese, uh, China's Ministry of Agriculture that it has lifted its ban on U.S. beef following a recently concluded review of the U.S. supply system. This announcement is a critical first step to restore market access for U.S. beef and beef products. That statement was published on September 22nd, 2016, long before Donald Trump was ever elected to the White House. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, Magoo, you done it again. Uh huh. Do you think that they tell him stuff so that he can, you know, to, to make him think that he's accomplished things? I know. You know, you know what you should ask President Xi. 
ask him if he can start selling him beef again, fully knowing that he's already said yes. And then that makes the boy feel like he's done something. That's, that's so awesome that you called him the boy. We should just, from now on, we're just going to refer to him as the boy. His toddlership. I love that. Uh, and by the way, that's going to be the name of today's show. Uh, okay. Uh, so, so President G is sitting there, and Donald Trump comes up to him. Here's your big piece of chocolate, chocolate cake. It's the most beautiful chocolate cake. The tallest piece of chocolate cake you will ever see. By the way, can we sell you beef? Sure. Okay, great. Done deal. We've done the it. The cake worked. The cake worked. <laughs> the, the cake worked. <laughs> Meanwhile, President G is going, this guy's nuts. Didn't we just do We did that last year, didn't we? We did that last year with Vilsack and the Obama administration. Yeah. China. Yeah. He is an idiot and he's a liar. And, and that's that. The boy, yeah. the boy is a liar. In that uh, order. I think idiot first, liar second. Yes. And the reason he's a liar is because he's such an idiot. And that's that's usually it all what ties together. Usually, what's you know, when I first when I first started in radio, I I I, I learned that there were different kinds of management. There were different kinds of owners <laughs> and general managers, uh-huh. and some of them I found were out and out evil. Yeah, and and some of them were truly incompetent, but yeah. the most interesting ones were the ones who were both evil and incompetent at the same time. Oh, and yeah. that's and that's what we have now. I have uh, I ran into many of those people, uh, as you said, in radio. Uh, but the majority of those kind of people you're running into in, with politics, lot, right. lots of idiot liars in, in politics, by the way, also in television. I had, you know, when I was doing a, I did a TV show uh, for a short period of time and right. and there were uh, an ungodly number of people who were phenomenal idiots and, and liars and they didn't know what the hell they were talking about. There was one guy who just didn't understand cartoons. I always tell this right. story. He said I, I was doing I wanted to do a cartoon on my show in which. A character uh, in in one pe- uh, one sketch uh-huh. appears in L.A. That's where, that's where the sketch is, is based, and then the same character pops pops up again in the next sketch, which happens to take place in, on the other side of the country, like in New York or something. Right. And this this television executive said to me, "Well, now how how does that character get from Los Angeles to New York?" And just a few seconds, that's impossible. I'm like, oh my God. So I'm going to have to sit here and explain to this guy cartoon physics. You know, Bugs Bunny was able to blow into his thumb and inflate his head, right? <laughs> just. Well, you know, I mean, even in even in live action movies, uh, people, uh, we, we cut from one scene in L.A. where that person is now in New York. Right. There's nothing terribly new about that. No, there are a lot of, a lot of people in that business, in, you know, show business weasels, <laughs> who uh, think, you know, or or try to portray that they know what they're doing, but yeah. don't. And here again, uh, there's your parallel with Trump. Exactly right. Exactly right. Okay, so here's, uh, here's the Wall Street Journal editorial board. These are people who are supposed to be constantly defending any high-powered Republican. Conservative the, newspaper, historically. Exactly. This is where you go. This is your safe haven. This is Fox News Channel. This is AM Talk Radio. This is one of those safe spaces for Republicans. You know right. that if, if you open up the Wall Street Journal editorial page, you're going to get a nice big old BJ. Mm-hmm. And so here's the Wall Street Journal today. And this is, again, the editorial board. This isn't some random columnist. This is the entire editorial board writing collectively in the Wall Street Journal, <laughs> writing uh, and specifically addressing Donald Trump. Don't you get it, guys? The Wall Street Journal writes, <laughs> Special Counsel Robert Mueller and the House and Senate Intelligence Committees are investigating the Russia story. 
Everything that is potentially damaging to the Trumps will come out one way or another. Everything. Denouncing leaks as fake news won't wash as counter as a counter strategy beyond the president's base, as Mr. Trump's latest 36 percent approval rating shows. Mm -hmm. Boy, that's a poke in the eye right there. Yeah. And this is this is Murdoch speaking to Trump through his newspaper because Trump would not listen to Murdoch on the phone. So Murdoch is trying this approach. And, yeah, they're calling out his low poll numbers. They're telling him, uh, you know, that this isn't going to work. Uh, they're telling him to pay attention and stop calling things fake news. Yep. Oh, meanwhile, over at Murdoch's uh, New York Post, they did a three-word editorial the other day. I just want to interject this. <laughs> the three-word editorial, you know, for Post readers. Uh, the, the New York Post, they posted a three-word editorial <laughs> about his Twitter uh, use. And uh, the editorial read, stop. Just stop. <laughs> Period. Yeah. And so now, meanwhile, back at the more erudite uh, Wall Street Journal, uh, they're they're also beating up on him in a more erudite way. That's right. Sad. Uh huh. And here's they continue here. I'm just jumping down a few paragraphs. Mr. Trump somehow seems to believe that his outsized personality and social media following make him larger than the presidency. Mm-hmm. He's wrong. He and his family seem oblivious to the brutal realities of Washington politics. Those realities will destroy Mr. Trump, his family, and their business reputation unless they change their strategy toward the Russia probe. Again, now, let me, again, that's a personal warning from Murdoch to Trump. You're going to hurt yourself and and really hitting him where he lives. You're going to hurt your business and your brand if you keep this up. And that's something that Murdoch knows means everything to Trump. And so he's really, that's another uh, almost below the belt punch there. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that that, that was a very important point. No, no, that's and that's it. That's all I was going to read, in fact. Yeah. And, and I wanted to add, too, that they're, I mean, specifically re- relating to Trump, his family, and his family business. Mm-hmm. There, as you've probably seen online, Buzz, there are lots of rumors about Trump Russia swirling around. There's, in sure. fact, there's an entire clique of people who who say they've got sources and who are relating information mm-hmm. on Twitter. They're single sources. It's not. I wouldn't count it as reliable uh, information yet until it's verified right. in the major media. Uh, but it is worth noting one, and and I really want before I repeat this. I really want to underscore that this is a rumor. There is no verification of this. Right. But there is talk right now of the Attorney General of New York who is making a serious play at going after Donald Trump and Donald Trump's assets. And in fact, this investigation being conducted by the Attorney General of New York uh, may even end up seizing in an asset forfeiture all of Donald Trump's money. Basically wow. seizing all of that, that all those finances, all those bank accounts. He's got, uh, I don't know, 150 different LLCs that he's created and so on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this would all just go away in a big puff of smoke. because All of, of them New York-based. And it's interesting because on one hand, it could be argued, it could be reasonably argued that the New York State Attorney General is trying to make a political name for himself and is playing a bit of politics. That doesn't mean, however, he doesn't have a case. Yep. Uh, And and so that's worth noting. Also worth noting is with the firing of uh, U.S. prosecutor, U.S. attorney Preet Bharara, uh, who had the authority to investigate Trump's businesses in New York, uh, that was certainly uh, waylaid by uh, Bharara's firing by Trump. 
the New York State Attorney General is one guy who still has that jurisdiction, mm-hmm. who still has the ability to prosecute Trump for illegal business practices. Yep. So there, there may be this could be a great hope, especially in the absence of Preet Bharara. And I'm sure you've heard too that there's a uh, there's an entirely new uh, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a probe. It's a lawsuit. There's a lawsuit being conducted mm-hmm. right now, being filed by former Obama era attorneys, former uh, attorneys who oh, worked yeah. for the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. They're filing a lawsuit now on the behalf of a group of voters who uh, are rightfully upset that their information was uh, was dumped with all of those WikiLeaks emails. Right. Yes, I'm familiar with that lawsuit. Yeah, and and so if this lawsuit proceeds, and, and of course they're suing the Trump campaign, that's the mm-hmm. specific uh, target, that's the defendant in this lawsuit, that's because correct. it was the Trump campaign now who's reported to have obviously colluded with uh, the Russians to, uh, to attain these emails or leak them or whatever. So there is some responsibility on the part of the, uh, of the, Trump, uh, of the Trump campaign, Absolutely. at least according to this they lawsuit. Made- yeah, they made that happen. Yeah. And by the way, I, we need to stop saying collusion because it's not it's, ringing with people. It's conspiracy. We have to call it conspiracy. Yeah, exactly. We just have to train ourselves. You and I and both and, and everybody have to train yep. ourselves. It, it's not collusion. It's conspiracy. Exactly. That's you know because conspiracy is a crime. And I've been trying to do that on Twitter. Where, In fact, I, I tweeted out last week. I said, uh, conspiracy is the new collusion. Right. And, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because because we're talking, it's a legal term. This is not an Alex Jones term. This is a, a right. legal term. This is a criminal conspiracy to uh, to commit fraud, to commit uh, all sorts of crimes. There's uh, certainly obstruction of justice in there. Uh, and so, yeah, treason. Th- this lawsuit, though, if they enter into a discovery phase, they're going to have tremendous power to mm-hmm. attain all kinds of documents from the Trump campaign. And uh, and all of that stuff will be compelled by law. And it'll be uh, extraordinarily fascinating to see what comes out on that front. And again, that's in addition to a possible investigation by the New York Attorney General, a uh, possible investigation happening in the Southern District of New York where Preet Bharara used to be. And now I, I assume that investigation is continuing forward. He was looking into uh, to Trump Tower and right. uh, and and some of the uh, possible money laundering that was happening inside Trump Tower, which is right. obviously that district. There's something happening in the Eastern District of Virginia involving mm-hmm. Paul Manafort and Mike Flynn, where a grand jury has possibly been impaneled there. Then you've got the special counsel. You've got the uh, Senate and House committees who are investigating uh, Trump at that level. Th- this is this is going to reach critical mass, and it's going to happen, I think, faster than we think. And I, again, yeah. I've been Buzz. You've heard me say on this show that I've been very pessimistic in terms of the rapidity of the, of the news coming down and how quickly we could get to a point of critical mass where Donald Trump is going to be forced out. Right. I, I actually, I'm where I'm sitting right now and looking at all this stuff happening. <laughs> it seems like it's going to happen a lot sooner, and I think you were it, exactly it right on that front. We're we're still slightly ahead of the curve, but you know, and and I think I said this on on last week show we we are reaching a, a tipping point and yep. there will there will come a point we're not there yet but every day bob i say thank you to our founding fathers for giving us a system that can track this stuff down exactly you know you have the special counsel investigating trump on on money laundering uh, uh, various uh, business uh, you know ventures uh, possible uh, things that could reach into the area of treason uh they're investigating trump on all kinds of levels including that conspiracy that 
that we mentioned. This is a very, very widespread investigation with the very best cops in the world on the case. Oh, yeah. And and we're going to get to the bottom of this. It's slow. It's frustrating. But thank you, Founding Fathers, for giving us a system that <laughs> is working and will work. Oh, my God, what a relief. If we could just hang on a little longer without starting a war or just uh, totally wrecking the country, uh, I think we can get through this and uh, justice will prevail. That's what I still think and hope. Yeah, I don't want to add this before we take one last break, that uh, for the past couple of years, especially since the 2016 uh, presidential campaign began, there were a lot of people, a lot of people, and, and some very reputable people, taking a giant dump all over the system, taking a giant dump all over the establishment. It was talking about the, all the establishment, the system is it's corrupt, and we need to get rid of it, we need to tear it all down. And this is coming from both Republicans, obviously, mostly Trump supporters, and quite a few Democrats, shockingly enough. Sanders uh, supporters. In case, Sanders yeah. supporters specifically. And this was something that I think always... You know, there's there's always room for reform. There's no doubt about that. I'm sure. well, certainly, you know, any reasonable uh, grown up is going to be in favor of <laughs> making moves to, to uh, incrementally reform and improve the system. But the idea of of tearing down the system is just was was from the very beginning just a ridiculous thing, especially for the left, which. To me, the, if there's anyone who should be defending the system, who should be right. defending the, the honor and 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 uh, validity and efficacy of the United States government, it's the left. And what we're seeing right now, from not only the the major news media, the Washington Times, the Washington Post, and the New York Times, and and uh, some of the the news networks, but we're certainly what we're seeing from nine to ten every evening on MSNBC with the Rachel Maddow show and Lawrence O'Donnell and so on, uh, Joy Reid. The, the the reporting that's going on right now within the system, the investigations that are happening within the system, the only bulwark against Donald Trump becoming a Erdogan, Putin-style autocrat is the efficacy of the system, the tenacity of patriotic bureaucrats. And I know that's it's kind of a contradiction in terms. Oh, bureaucrats are supposed to be an ugly word. But these are people, and whether we're talking about James Comey when he was still at the FBI, or whether we're talking about uh, Chris Murphy in the United States Senate, or we're talking about uh, any number, uh, Bob Mueller, and I, I like to call him Bob, you know me. Um, <laughs> You're both Bobs, so it's fair. You exactly. Us Bobs, you know, we get that latitude. Uh, but, but these are all people, these are dedicated public servants who form the system, and it's the right. system that's keeping us from falling into the pits of hell right now. <laughs> and, and, right. We, and, we, and journalism, you know, the same yeah. journalists who took a beating for, quote unquote, giving Donald Trump so much publicity, which when really what we were trying to do was expose the guy so he wouldn't get elected. Right. That didn't work, unfortunately. Yeah. There was a base out there that was strong enough to... To support him, and yep. and was lucky enough to get a little help, you know. But I, I just, I, it's it's astounding. And and there was a time not so long ago. Well, maybe it was long ago. If you were around in Eisenhower's day, I was I was but a mere toddler then, if I <laughs> if if I existed at all. And uh, in 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 that day, Republicans also were defenders of the system. Yep. Uh, things things changed somewhere along the way, and. Uh, the Democrats seem to stand alone in that now. At least that's the way it appears and feels. You know, you mentioned Eisenhower. We have a new character in the Trump-Russia story that has been introduced to us today. And that character's first name, he's a Russian, but that character's first name appears to be Ike. <laughs> We're going to talk about that more after uh, one last break. Back with more show after this. 
You can't always get a clean you can feel good about inside and out unless you're using Bubble Genius Bath and Body Products. See, Bubble Genius is a woman-owned small business proudly creating our vegan-friendly products in America and supporting other U.S. businesses by buying our ingredients and supplies from them as often as possible. Plus, you'll be hard-pressed to find packaging as recyclable as ours. Visit BubbleGenius.com and check out our cause-related items too, like our global warming soap and a lot more. We donate our proceeds for those items to worthy causes, like organizations combating climate change and mountaintop removal mining. Good stuff like that. We also send our products to the troops overseas through our Buy a Soldier a Shower campaign. Because the least we can do is keep them smiling and smelling great, right? So visit BubbleGenius.com and feel good and clean. Bubble Genius, doing our part to make the world a better place, one bathtub at a time. That's BubbleGenius.com. Bob Seska. This is the Bob Seska Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. That's uh, the recording version of Buzz, and we have the real Buzz sitting right here. I love it when you play music from the 80s out of this break, as you seem to do. Uh, they, these, are, these are my favorite <laughs> songs, and I don't want you to change. I like it just, just as it is. And I also want to say thanks for having me uh, today. I know I wasn't the scheduled guest, but but I know that when Dean Martin can't make it, we call in George Siegel. And uh, and so I'm I'm here. <laughs> and I'm happy to be here. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, in fact, that song that song that we were just playing, I'm glad I'm so glad you're here. And I, and I, and thank you for your your compliments on my uh, my, my controversial oh. taste in music. I'll just put it, oh, that, yeah. <laughs> put it that way. People people either love the songs out of our breaks or they they hate them. And in this I case, I, uh, I I don't. You know what? I don't care. I don't That's I don't right. care what they think. And, and I, it's such a short time anyway. Yeah, the rest I, of the time, we're just blabbing. And and just I know I'm emphasizing my uh, mayonnaise whiteness, but uh, <laughs> good lord. <laughs> That Phil Collins song that I could listen to that song on endless loop for days and days and days and I guess I just like the eighties sound in general. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, all of it. Uh, it just uh, what a enjoyable time for music that was for me. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, where else are you going to get Trump, Russia, healthcare, Andrew Gold, and Phil Collins all in one convenient package? And, and Buzz best. and and Buzz Burbank all in one. And the, and the best of the eighties all right here. <laughs> That's right. Uh, oh, by the way, make sure to. Uh, uh, if you want to go shopping at uh, Amazon.com, make make sure you go through the uh, BobSeska.com Amazon link. If you shop at Amazon, enter that site using our link. It's just beneath the logo at BobSeska.com in all capital letters. And we get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing extra, and it helps support the show. Thank you. Right. Yeah. Okay. So moving along here, uh, before we wrap up the show, we've got this, uh, this new revelation about... Uh, uh, well, a couple of different revelations about Trump. Russia, first of all, the Trump campaign is paying... <laughs> Is paying for Trump Jr.'s attorney. Uh, this is an interesting fact that if you're contributing to the Donald Trump for president campaign, his reelection mm-hmm. campaign, in fact, that has strangely gotten underway. Well, and in fact, it got underway on election on uh, inauguration day. Right, right. He was already running for reelection then, and and I think as you're about to explain, uh, we know why it was formed so early. Yeah, uh, with the election uh, four now three and a half years away. Uh, the, there's plenty of time to raise money for the election. So the million dollars or whatever they've raised so far this year uh, is available for other uses. Yep, yep. These goddamn grifters are using campaign cash to pay for their attorneys, pay for their legal expenses. 
And uh, so if you're you're contributing to the campaign, you're basically paying for these lawyers, these sl- slimy lawyers like Suckalo and uh, Kazowitz. Although Kazowitz, I don't imagine Kazowitz sticking around for much longer. Says who? Uh, a couple of the biggest contributors are, uh, I guess, uh, Daniel Snyder, the owner of the Washington Redskins, is a big one. Oh, my God. Uh, there was another one I can't remember now. I, it's I, so many players to keep track of. But, yeah, and, and the rest of these uh, fine folks uh, donating money, I, I have been duped, have been swindled, have been suckered again yep. uh, by Donald Trump. And uh, I read a comment today from one of the contributors, one of the small contributors, who said, you know, I'm, I'm trying to put my kid through community college, and he's spending my contribution on lawyers. He, he was not happy about this. This is a Trump supporter speaking. <laughs> So it, it, it's showing that sort of disrespect for their own for their own contributors. And by the way, you mentioned the the Trump campaign money paying for Donnie Jr.'s uh, lawyer. Uh, that started weeks and weeks ago. That started they they hired that guy and started paying him long before Donnie Jr. revealed and or admitted to his uh, meeting with the Russians. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because what we found out is that that payment was made sometime around. I think I believe it was in the form of a, a retainer, and that was made somewhere around June twenty uh, seventh, was it? Mm-hmm. And then the or or sooner, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, and, but then the uh, then the initial junior story about the Veselnitskaya meeting came out around July 9th or so, or tenth. Mm-hmm. It was somewhere around there. So right. what we're talking about is a retainer paid to a, a law firm well in advance. Now I I do have this one question. And again, the only people who can answer this question are uh, 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 the uh, the reporters who, and I forget their names, forgive me, the, the reporters who initially broke the junior story. Uh, I think one is, uh, I want to say, Matapuzo, and they would know. But I, I want to find out if they actually got Don Jr.'s comment days and days in advance, and that was perhaps what triggered triggered the hiring of uh, this lawyer, Alan Futterfuss. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm waiting for all sorts of things to unfold. Uh, Trump's lawyer claims that uh, the president did not know about this until a couple of days before uh, Donnie Jr. announced it. Uh, but there's now uh, there are now reports uh, indicating that White House staffers uh, were talking about this weeks beforehand yeah. about how how to handle this and what's hilarious about that is that after all that talking and planning to be ready for this they still muffed it they still they still fumbled repeatedly on uh, explaining this and justifying it and in the end they failed so good planning good good preparation <laughs> yeah, boys. good good job there and now and now i hear everybody in the white house is sniping at everybody else uh jared is demanding that that everybody look out for the guy who didn't fill out his fs86 <laughs> properly uh and everybody else is just you know hoping they can survive this somehow you, you got poor uh, sean spicer uh, now facing the press with uh, being hit with questions he cannot answer because he has to refer the reporters now to counsel, to the president's lawyer, to Donnie Jr.'s lawyer. You'll have to ask them, he says. And this is the guy speaking for the White House. And, you know, speaking of Sean Spicer, yesterday during his uh, his news briefing, which was audio only, by the way, right, right. Uh, he, he mispronounced Magnitsky Act. He was calling it the Majinsky Act, which is also something uh, Jay Sucklow uh, is doing the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, the Bajinsky I, act. I didn't know. I didn't. I hadn't heard the audio, so I hadn't heard Spicer mispronounce it. Yeah, but yeah, and I know Rachel uh, Matter had a lot, a lot of fun with uh, Succulo as we were uh, pronouncing it. Had <laughs> a lot of had a had a lot of fun with his 
uh, pronunciation of of that. So Magnitsky instead of he was saying Majinsky instead of Magnitsky. Majinsky, yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, you kind of answered my question because now obviously the answer because my initial question was uh, why did they hire an attorney before the reporting came out and it's and I wondered whether or not the reporters tipped them off and getting and trying to get a comment from Don Jr. which they actually did. Yeah, they did uh, ultimately, but, it was, but but clearly they were anticipating yes, this in the White House exactly. weeks beforehand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it was yeah exactly because it was actually the White House. And, and possibly Jared Kushner, from what we're hearing, who discovered the existence of that email chain back and forth to Rob Goldstone. And, and remember, because this will come up in the impeachment hearings, uh, <laughs> Trump Trump says, so you want to make a note of this, put it next to your bag of popcorn. Uh, when this comes up, Trump said uh, he only learned about it a couple of days before right. uh, it was announced publicly. So, yeah, uh, keep score and find out. Because if they were talking about it, it just they were talking about it for weeks in the White House. Uh, before it was announced, Trump says he only found it a couple of days. So apparently, and maybe it's not hard to do, they kept Trump in the dark for a couple of weeks. Or or he knew about it all along. Now, you can feel free to do the, do the math at home. But Trump has disclosed nearly $678,000 in payments describing, uh, described in filings as legal consulting mm-hmm. between April and June of 2017. A significant chunk of the $4.37 million his campaign spent overall as the number and velocity of investigations into potential Russian interference in the 2016 election increased. That's a huge chunk of that amount of cash being spent on legal defense. Good luck with your contributions and your payments to buy MAGA hats and whatever. And they're just get they're just getting started. I mean, uh, the lawyers have barely begun their work yet. Wait till they start racking up billable hours. Uh, That bill is going to go up a lot more. Uh, Trump uh, campaign has already spent more than twice the money in the past three months than it spent in the three months before that on legal fees. And again, we're just getting started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, we've got, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll do this and, and wrap up for the day, but uh, we've got an eighth an eighth participant in yes. the Beselnitskaya meeting from, uh, from June 9th, 2016. It is a, uh, a Russian named, I'm, I don't even want to try to pronounce the last name, but the first name looks like Ike. Uh-huh. <laughs> I-K-E. It's probably like E-K or something. And the last name is Kavaladze. I think. Is that? That's okay. probably pretty close. I, I, I don't know. I, I had not seen the name before we went on the air. <laughs> it's here, way so off. I just knew there was an eighth person. But. He was uh, confirmed as attending the meeting uh, by Scott Balber, an attorney for Eamon and Eris Galarov, the Russian developers right. who hosted the Trump-owned Miss Universe. So, the, so, so this new mysterious eighth guy, we now have a name for, Ike yeah. or E-K or whatever it is, uh, is being represented by the same lawyer who represents Donald Trump's friends, uh, the businessman and the businessman's son, who's a pop star, uh, friends he made <laughs> when he was in. Is isn't this a great book? I'm really enjoying reading this book. <laughs> yeah. When he was when he when he was in Russia with the uh, Miss Universe pageant in 2013, that's where he befriended these folks. And so uh, these uh, friends of Donald's have a lawyer, and that lawyer is representing this new eighth mystery man who's turned up. Now now we have a name for him, and we know that. Uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, sort of a Russian American, uh, he's an American citizen. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, as we've been told by his attorney so far, he went to the meeting to serve as an interpreter in case one was needed, but got there and saw that, uh, the banker lady, uh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the, the Russian lawyer already had, uh, an interpreter with her. <laughs> and so his services were not needed. So that's the story that, as I understand it, that we have so far. 
Right. And we're also hearing rumors that perhaps Donald Trump might have been on the meeting uh, via phone, via mm-hmm. like conference call, via speakerphone or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. May have attended, too. And, and plus, we get this uh, this terrible, terrible, terrible and revealing excuse from Jay Succolo, uh suggesting that the Secret Service vetted Don Jr.'s meeting. Uh, but of course, Junior didn't have any right. Secret Service protection as of June 9th, 2016. Only mm-hmm. Trump did. So if Secret Service was involved in this meeting, then Donald Trump was involved with this. Donald Trump Sr., the Donald Trump was involved it with this meeting. It would seem so. And it was only 10 minutes after the conclusion of this meeting that, that Trump tweeted that he was going to have some big stuff on Hillary Clinton. That's right. Uh, that, that's when he first, 10 minutes after that meeting, he introduced for the first time the concept of 33,000 deleted emails. Where did he learn that? Yep. And, you know, he, uh, and even, yeah. even before that, even before mm-hmm. that, when the, the day the meeting was actually set per the email chain between Goldstone and Junior, with that day that the meeting was set, this is in advance of the actual, I believe it was around the 7th of June, maybe prior to that, I'm not sure the exact date, but on that day, Trump uh, did a speech, did a rally in which he acknowledged the fact that he became the presumptive nominee on that day and announced that they were going to have a major speech revealing tr- uh, information about Hillary Clinton, and he said, possibly on Monday. Possibly on Monday, he's going to do a speech in which he blabs all of this new information. He's going to be, you're going to be right. very interested to hear this information, he said. Mm-hmm. That was on the day the meeting was set. And, and we also know, too, that, uh, that Page's documents were handed off to the Trump people in that yes. meeting. And the, the remarkable thing about all of this, and of course, I could spend hours and hours and hours mulling over all of this stuff, but the remarkable thing uh, about the, the, this entire meeting is it's only one meeting. When yeah. we, we, we know that there were that count- we know of. Yeah, yeah. that we know of. And and, and the uh, the people on Fox News Channel, the Trump people, pro Trump people in the media and on, on social media and so on are are putting all their eggs in one basket, defending this one meeting, not fully realizing or maybe they don't even know. Right. That uh, that there were all these other meetings that took place that they are now going to have to subsequently defend too, and when you have <laughs> when you have what like two dozen nothing burgers, it's going to start to amount to one big something burger. You that- don't have to be much of an investigator to see that there's something horribly, horribly suspicious about all of this. That. There are an awful lot of coincidences and an awful lot of, you know, going back, what is it? Uh, spring 2015, U.S. intelligence notices a surprising number of meetings between Russian officials and Trump associates. Yep. Uh, and it's just it's just grown and continued from there. The frustration is maddening. I I I I, I wish Chez were here to rail uh, about <laughs> me too, uh, about about uh, how we get rid of this guy, because. Uh, my feeling and the feeling of a lot of other people was we just can't wait uh, much longer, if any longer at all. This yeah. is just just stupid. Uh, to many people, certainly to Keith Olbermann, uh, we we have enough now. Uh, we have enough now to proceed with this thing to arrest and jail uh, Donald Trump Jr., Jared Kushner, Paul Manafort, and to begin impeachment uh, proceedings against Trump. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I don't. Obviously, impeachment is. Uh, is a remote possibility, uh, but as I said, I, I I really think that we're at a point now where Trump support is going to start disintegrating. We're already seeing it on Fox News. Fox right. News Channel, just the very fact that Fox News Channel is talking about Trump Russia right. means that there is blood in the water. 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, I just, just can't go on much longer. Yeah. This is uh, this is Roy Schneider chumming the water for sharks now. <laughs> uh, or did I say Schneider? I meant Schneider. Uh, so I, I want to tweet the president. I'm going to wait, wait, wait for the right moment, but I want to say, delete your account, resign, and move to Argentina. <laughs> That's right. Where all the Nazis go. Says who? Oh, God. So, yeah. So it's only a matter of time, I think, before uh, more and more Republicans stop bothering to, uh, to, to defend this guy. Certainly, I think we're at a point now where congressional Republicans are going to grow extraordinarily sick and tired of having Donald Trump sitting up there uh, at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I'm holding my, I got my pen, just send me something. They want him to lead. They want yeah. him to be engaged. They and don't. They're tired, they're tired of losing. Like I said before, they want to get away with everything they can get away with as long as Trump is distracting America. But what they're finding out is they can't get anything done, not a single piece of major legislation. Yeah, well, they're also tired of being scapegoated because this guy doesn't know uh, what it means to be a, uh, a presidential leader. He doesn't right. know, know what it means to have to shepherd this through. What he oh, really boy. should do is is take a look at 2009 and see how the Democrats did it with Obamacare. Now, I'm glad he doesn't. I'm glad he's not doing any of that stuff. I'm, I'm much happier with Donald Trump failing. Uh, but, you know, if, if I was offering him advice, I would say, just look at what the Democrats did in 2009. They did it exactly right. There, were, there, were, well, there was tor- turmoil. There was all kinds of infighting. Mm-hmm. There were times when it was all going to fall apart. But it eventually got done. Because they they went through the process, and especially the process that is required to change one sixth of the American economy. It should be hard. It Fingers should be a, exactly. It should our, be a pain in the ass. Our our healthcare is at stake. Yours, mine, and a lot of the people listening. I'm sure. Postmortem shows coming up next. Sign up at Patreon.com/slash Bob and Chez. Do it now. Five dollars a month gets you all that crap. Thank you in advance for your support. All right, that's the show. We'll see you on Thursday, folks. Bye-bye. Sad.